Welcome to the Gospel Rant. This is Dr. Bill Sinyard. Last Oscar season, we took a look at the Best Picture nominees, particularly as they portray shame. Shame is an epidemic in the United States today. It's a source of much of the incivility and loneliness in our country and in our families. And in, in reverse, incivility and loneliness is a source of much of our shame. It is particularly prevalent though not exclusively in young adults today. And I've written a lot about that in other blogs and articles and conferences. You can check the website, gospel-app.com. Shame and shame family of emotions happen when any of us are excluded. That's when we feel like we should be included. Secondly, when we feel outed, uh, experience unwanted or embarrassing exposure. Three, when when our reaching out is not returned or it is rejected, unrequited love. And lastly, four, when we fall short of expectation, either parent, peers, job, church, our own, or even God's. So our contention at the Gospel Act is that not only is it prevalent, we've, we've seen it so much, it's like air around us, and we're experiencing it so much, we've become nose blind to it. And so this is our way, or one of the ways, to out shame. And it's nasty half-sister loneliness, because if we can't dialogue about these things, if we can't be open about these things, uh, in all kind of dialogue places, including our churches, we, we just can't get to the root of the problem. So, we started giving scores to movies on a shame meter we created, 0 to 10, with 0 being no shame recognizable, and 10 being wild, dehumanizing shame. And no surprise, shame was everywhere. It was actually critical to the plot of all the movies, uh, the best pictures last year. And this year, we're going to start off with The Joker, Joaquin Phoenix's amazing presentation. And by the way, no shock, it's a 10 on the shame meter. I, I can't imagine... Uh, it being topped. Joaquin Phoenix's portrayal of the mentally ill author, a.k.a. the Joker, should win him the Academy Award, honestly. It's hard to watch, but it's worth it for his acting alone. I don't think there was a greater acting uh, event in this year. So Phoenix's portrayal of the Joker is not a particular study of a single psychosis or mental illness. It seems to be a mash of a number of mental illnesses, for instance, delusions of grandeur. He says at one point, I'm an undiscovered comedic genius, which nothing could be further from the truth. There were uh, hallucinations. There was murderous rage. There was depression, loneliness, shame, mental deterioration, Uh, right? And clearly loneliness and all four shame triggers. Clinical expert, Dr. Andrea Letta Mindy wrote an excellent article called The Psychology of Joker from the Joker 2019, and she tracks the downward psychological demise of author Fleck. I think it's great. Uh, And she summarized his portrayal as the misunderstood loner. I mean, there's so many other issues, right? But as an overarching umbrella, I think she's captured it. She writes, quote, Author Fleck is an impoverished, scraggy, middle-aged man who works as a party clown in the crime-riddled city of Gotham. He is significantly underweight, his face sunken and pallid, and although he isn't repulsive, his untidy, bizarre appearance is off-putting to others. Behaviorally, too, author is odd. He is withdrawn, antisocial, but does not seem to be inherently callous or devious. In fact, author is somewhat innocent and initially well-meaning towards others, especially children. 
Author lives with his mother, Penny, who he cares about deeply but maintains no other strong, meaningful connections. His communication skills are generally poor. He may hold his gaze too long at someone, use abnormal body posturing or facial expressions, or miss important interpersonal cues, which causes others to be upset or discomforted around him. In his line of work as a cheap party clown, author's oddities are amplified in many ways, author is a product of interactional socialization. His peculiarities influence others to ostracize, bully, or avoid him, which in turn lead him to isolate, grow weirder, and inevitably miss opportunities to improve his social skills, unquote. There's a lot in there. I recommend the entire article to you. And by the way, uh, she does, and we will too, get to the severe mental issues in a moment. But at least to one degree or another, Author struggles and has struggled with shame and loneliness and rejection and abandonment his entire life. And he will find out towards the end of the film that as a child, he was abandoned. Uh, he was adopted, uh, thought uh, that, that she was, Penny was his mother, but he was adopted, found out that he was abused, had serious identity and belonging markers missing in his, his history. Relational attachments, uh, counselors would just go crazy with him. Shame, loneliness, depression, it's so easy to draw a line between these dots. So much of his current relational issues is that he's also a zero on a relational EQ scale. He has no, virtually no insight, awareness, how he comes across to others. He just can't get it. He doesn't see, he doesn't grasp how unsettling he is to others. Um, why is that important? He dreams his very dreams, what he believes is a source of significance and calling, is being a loved, uh, successful stand-up comedian. Right? Everyone adores. He has this notion or curse that his calling is to make people laugh. Oh, my gosh. Nothing could be further from the truth. And to instill happiness. Oh, my gosh. Nothing could be further from the truth. He fantasizes having the approval of people like his mother, his audiences, his peer, and particularly one of his heroes, Murray Franklin, the talk show host, uh, his hope in this is just dashed. And he finally triggers uh, when he realizes that uh, Murray is just making fun of him, uh, exposing him, right? One of the one of the shame pillars and ripping his dreams away. He lives the life of an unhappy loner. His life in Gotham is dark, lonely and bleak. Matter of fact, he will say, I haven't been happy all my life. And it's true. Not only is he not happy, uh, his mental condition makes it worse, likely caused by physical abuse as a child, mocks his emotions and desires. He has a condition called involuntary emotional expression disorder, IEED. It can occur after uh, physical trauma to a person's prefrontal cortex. Uh, it can be ca categorized by uncontrollable, intense episodes of laughter, exaggerated, uh, incongruent with his actual feelings and mood. And look, clearly it can be embarrassing. Even in the midst of it, it can be isolating in the, in the midst of it, both shame-producing and loneliness-producing. He laughs even though he's not happy, right? It's ironic. He wants to make people laugh, and he can't stop laughing. His own body really makes fun of him, too, uh, and presents him as odd and faulty, stigmatizing him. Uh, Dr. Andrea, again, unlike other portrayals, she says, Phoenix's Joker struggles to achieve a sense of intrinsic happiness and seems unable to activate pleasurable feelings within himself. Nicholson's Joker, for instance, delights in his ostentatious grand acts of performative terrorism. Hamill's sustained euphoric mania by increasingly 
pushing the boundaries of risk-taking. Ledger's Joker seems to be skilled in generating intellectual satisfaction. And these jokers certainly presented with their own idiosyncratic problems, but were unable to find ways to achieve feelings of pleasure. They were able to find. But author Fleck, uh, Phoenix, Phoenix's uh, portrayal, he attempts to find happiness and joy and good feelings through his stand-up comedy, but he can't overcome the barriers of his disease and mental illness. He is instead met with doubts, derision, and even dismissive reactions from his own mother, who casually tells him, you have to actually be funny to be a comedian, close quote. This is the first Joker portrayal, Dr. Andrea says, where happiness was totally elusive. And in the midst of all the other crazy portrayals of Joker, this one is so dark and so sad. So think of loneliness and depression uh, on steroids. Uh, there are other signs of further breakdown. Um, for Joker, his journal includes scribblings of jokes and disturbing passages, uh, ridiculously dark drawings, pornographic magazine pages that depersonalize and objectify women, removes their faces. Uh, Fleck writes about his own suicide. I hope my death will make more sense than my life. Taking together messages of suicide, vague threats, pornography, uh, violent uh, images are all pre-offense risk factors for targeted Violence, per Andrea again, quote, his depression is a serious mental condition rooted in neurobiological causes that is associated with symptoms such as chronic feelings of melancholy, loss of pleasure, lack of energy, difficulty in concentrating and suicidal thoughts, consistent feelings of irritability. Physical pain and anger are also manifestations of depression. For individuals with treatment-resistant depression, standard treatments aren't enough. In fact, up to 30% of people today show no or partial response to standard depression medications. Maybe you. So we can relate to this. Uh, many of us can relate to this, most likely, to some degree. Fleck seeks motherly love. Fleck seeks fatherly love, as the whole episode with the talk show host and his hero, Murray Franklin, demonstrates. Here's Andrea again. Quote, author seeks fatherly love, a sense of belonging and acceptance, and he feels somewhat fulfilled from his fictional relationship he's created with Murray. Murray and Penny are his family, close quote. Um, author Fleck adds, even I didn't know if I really existed. Dr. Andrea wonders if this may have been his confession or perhaps a fleeting last request for help. She says, quote, the most chilling line in the film is perhaps the most simple and direct accusation, and it's told in therapy. You don't ever hear me. And with this assertion, author is asking his counselor to be vulnerable with him by giving him the space to shapefully share his feelings of hopelessness, despair, self-hatred, and nihilism. Close quote. Whew. Sad. It's a dark movie. It's a disturbing movie. Uh, we speak of nature, nurture, and choice being the three drivers of behavior. And Fleck was behind the eight ball on all three. Now, from a Christian perspective, much could be said. First, and this is important, strictly because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, there will be some, maybe many, I think many, many, like Fleck in heaven, uh, people who were troubled here, who were behind the eight ball here, who had mental issues, had brain damage here, uh, made bad choices here. And in heaven, they'll be made whole, healed, depression gone, shame repaired, never to be lonely ever again. And that's amazing, ridiculous, unbelievable good news. And it's true. So if you get that, if you're, if, if you're able to resonate with Fleck, if you're struggling right now with depression and loneliness and shame, look, first of all, make sure you're getting uh, help. Uh, but also, 
Find a place, a gracious gathering, a church or a home church where you can run into Jesus' arms for that that thing that has been most elusive to you, a powerful sense of welcoming and acceptance and love for you as you are, significant security and belonging. And also, if you need help with forgiving others, if you have mommy and daddy issues and disappointments, uh, if you've been outed by others, if you've been rejected by others, look, give the forgiving path a shot www.forgivingpath.com it's helped many people just like you not perfectly that's heaven but noticeable changes noticeable freedom uh, noticeable sense of, of additional worth and by the way it's shame free forgiving of others we also give you an opportunity to experience justice for what was done to you no worries well we'll see you at the next podcast we're going to take a look at shame in the Oscar nominated movie Little Women The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.